asking only that you would just speak to me and through me that I may deliver this message to your people in the way that you had given it to me. Father, open up their hearts and their minds and allow them to be receptive of your word. For we know it will not come back void. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it has been a minute and giving honor to God and Pastor and Sister Pickett in their absence to my brothers and sisters of the clergy and the deacons, family, and friends. And as always, I like to acknowledge, always acknowledge my family. I have my, uh, anytime I preach, y'all see her here. Sometimes when I don't preach, my Aunt Bessie is sitting out. Wave your hand, Auntie. Yeah, yeah, that's my Auntie. She, she'll be here. Amen. And then, of course, uh, y'all, that lady just sung that song for people that don't know. Uh, that is truly my good thing. My uh, my brother from another mother, I just took his sin. I call him my prime rib. Amen, somebody. If you don't mind, I'm going to come out my jacket today. Y'all don't tell Pastor Pickett, but uh, there's a message from the Lord today. Amen. And I just feel like I'm going to sweat and be restricted, so I'm going to take that off because I don't want anything to hold me back. Amen? So our scripture comes out of First King, and God has been working this thing with me, and I've been teaching it on uh, Noonday Bible study, but the scripture comes out of First Kings 18, 1 through 21. I'm just going to read verse 1 and then going to jump to verse uh, 21. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. And then in verse 21, it says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, Baal follow him. But the people answered him not give you a little bit i always like to give a little let me change these glasses out that's why i bought my back up amen let's see yes the pe let me give i always like to give a little history uh on on, on the chapter and all that we're talking about ahab was the king of the northern region of israel and he was wicked. He was married to Jezebel. Uh, Y'all know Jezebel. And together, they did everything they could to turn the people of Israel toward their God, Baal. Jezebel was responsible for the killing of the Lord's prophet in an attempt to stop people from worshiping God and turning to Baal. Listen, the people of Israel were caught between serving two masters. Uh, 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 you know, God, uh, they was stuck between serving God and serving Baal. I, I, I'm going to paint the picture for you. There was a particular man named Obadiah who found himself trying to stay off the fence in the middle of a corrupt king whom he worked for. You see, the word of God tells us that we can't be lukewarm for God. We can't serve two masters and we can't straddle the fence. I'm talking about Christians, y'all. Uh, 
uh, uh, uh, in his sermon this morning, Dr. Harris preached about being on the outside looking in. He talked about the prodigal son and how the oldest son was upset because the father had killed the fatted calf and was throwing a party and he was standing on the outside refusing to go in. Uh, my sermon message for today is fence straddling Christians. It's time to get off the fence and on the field. Uh, I'm just going to say that once again. Uh, fence straddling Christians. It's time to get off the fence and on the field. There's so much going on in this world. Uh, as Christian brothers and sisters, we can't afford to be on the fence. Uh, uh, and so God has given me this message. As Christian, God has allowed us and placed us in some of the most demanding situations, positions, and predicaments. And he is seeking one thing from us in that we continue to stand for Christ no matter what. Listen, our Christian character, morals, and our integrity should never be in question for Christ. Our Christian character and morals and our integrity should never be in question for, for Christ. Listen, we cannot be for Christ one day and then step away from him the next day when serving him does not fit our agenda. I have a message from God today, Good Hope. I will tell you that it is becoming harder and harder to tell where some Christians stand, especially those who are placed in positions of authority. I, I, I'm not here to make a political statement. I'm here to preach the word of God. Uh, uh, where we work and who we work for should never be called into question on whom we serve. God is saying if you're going to be in, be all in. Uh, amen, somebody. Let me say that again. God is saying if you're going to be in, be all in. Now, as I read through 1 Kings chapter 18, what jumped out to me, what I feel God has given me is this, that God wants to know that we are all in. When God sends us on a mission, he wants our full commitment to complete the mission, no matter how demanding it may appear. He does not want intimidation nor hesitation to be the stumbling block in mission accomplished. All of us here know that when we have someone on our team who is not fully committed to the team's goal of winning, they are not going to put forth the effort that is required to achieve the victory. You see, Elijah was all in for God. Amen? First King 18 and 1 says that, uh, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Allow me to give you a little overview of what has transpired prior to chapter 18. You see, uh, uh, God sent Elijah to tell Ahab that there was going to be a drought and, there was there, and that there would not be dew or rain except at his words. First Kings chapter 17 and 1. It was because of the deeds of Ahab and Jezebel as well as the fence-straddling 
Israelites. Now Ahab was mad and was looking for Elijah. Here it is that Ahab had been looking for Elijah and God sends Elijah to go and present himself to Ahab. Did you? I, I don't need you to miss that. Ahab was looking for Elijah and God sent Elijah to go present himself to Ahab. Now Ahab was not looking for Elijah to reward him, but he was looking for him to confront and possibly harm him because of the drought that was going on in Israel. What I want you to notice in verse 1 is that God is saying that it is time. You see, uh, it is time to go and present yourself. Has God uh, been telling you it is time, but you continue to stay where you are? Elijah could have allowed fear to prevent him from making his way to present himself to Ahab, but he didn't. God said it is time and he moved. If God is telling you it is time, then be like Elijah and move from where you are to where God is calling you to move. It could be in your relationship with him. If you are straddling the fence, then it is time to get off the fence and into the game. If you are finding that the relationship you are in is keeping you from being fully in for God, and God is telling you it's time to move, then it is time to move. If that job you go to every day and hate, but you are there because you have bills and responsibilities, and God is saying it is time to go back to college, trade school, or find a new profession, then it is time to move. Now, now, don't everybody go out and quit their job or get out of their relationship and Say, well, Pastor Stephen said it's time to move. Uh, uh, what I'm saying is that you will know through the sermon and prayer when God is telling you it's time to move. Amen, somebody. Do you notice that God has no trouble sending us or allowing us to go toward things that we might deem dangerous or at least harmful to us mentally or physically? Let's look at David. God sent David to fight Goliath with a slingshot and some stones. David did not hesitate, nor did he negotiate with God. He went toward the threat. The reason David moved toward Goliath is that it was time, with, uh, it was time and David was all in for God. God had already been preparing David for what he would call him to do. David understood that God would never send him somewhere he is not already gone himself. Deuteronomy uh, 31 and 8 says, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Rest assured, if God is sending you somewhere, he has already been there. And the good part about it, he's already been there, but as you go to it and through it, he is right there with you. I love that. You see, God instructed Elijah to go and meet King Ahab, who is looking for him. So here, we, so we have it that God has sent Elijah to present himself to Ahab. And listen, listen, on his way to meet Elijah, uh, Ahab, Elijah runs into Obadiah. Obadiah was in charge of the king's house, 1 Kings 18 
and 3. I want to spend a little time uh, here because Obadiah's role is critical. Uh, listen, in verse 5 and 6, Ahab instructs Obadiah to go one way looking for grass to feed the livestock while he would travel a different direction. Verse 6 says, say, says, so they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. I need you to see that Obadiah in his search for grass runs into Elijah. Here is something else that jumped out at me. Ahab could have just as easily run into Elijah while in search of grass, but God sent him in the opposite direction in order for Elijah and Obadiah to meet. Won't God send your enemy in a different direction? Uh, uh, I can't tell you. I mean, it was not a mistake that Ahab did not go in the direction he instructed Obadiah to go. Uh, God was setting up Elijah and Ahab's meeting time and place, but he had another mission for Elijah while on the journey to meet Ahab, and that meeting was for Elijah to meet Obadiah. You see, when God wants us uh, to meet someone, he will set that thing up. I, I need you to understand, have you ever gone somewhere that was not in your plans and end up meeting someone that was impactful on your life or you were impactful on their life? Uh, 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 normally, I don't travel this way or that way, but today I took a different route and had a God-encountering moment uh, with a non-Christian. Uh, 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 God will set that thing up for his glory and your story. Uh, uh, you're going to get that. God will set that thing up for his glory and your story. It was like the uh, Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, uh, it was by no coincidence that Jesus met her at the well. It was his uh, glory, but it was her story that she went back to tell others about a man uh, she met. Amen, somebody. Listen, listen, uh, uh, some of us are still talking about our encounters today. If I could, in verse 7, uh, 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 the meeting takes place. Now, as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him, and he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my Lord, Elijah? You see, Elijah and Obadiah meeting was not by accident. As I read through verse 7 and 8, it was clear that God arranged the meeting so that Elijah could minister to Obadiah. We have to understand that Obadiah was working for a corrupt king and queen who were systematically killing prophets to the point that Obadiah had 100, Obadiah hid 100 of them, 50 to a cave and 50 to another cave, 1 Kings 18 and 13. You see, God arranged the meeting so that Obadiah would meet Elijah. It was a relief for Obadiah and that he had uh, to feel like he was alone and then God sends Elijah as a way to strengthen his faith. Uh, uh, you know how it is. Sometimes uh, we're in a place or a predicament where it seems like we're fighting this battle by ourselves, and then God will send somebody there with you. I remember a story when I was stationed. I tell the story about when I was stationed at Fort, uh, Fort Campbell, 
Kentucky uh, taking on the role as a, a first sergeant. For you all in the military, you know that role is a demanding role. We had over uh, we had over 1,600 people in our battalion, and I had 350 soldiers up under me, and there were seven companies. Uh, and when we got together, the other six first sergeants, they drank and they parted and they cussed, and I didn't do any of that. And uh, so I was ostracized, and I felt like I was in a battle by myself. They, Because I didn't do the things they did, they did not accept me into uh, their club there. So uh, whenever we deployed somewhere, it was they was over here, and I was over here by myself. But I did not compromise my morals, my character, or my integrity just to fit in. Amen, somebody. You see, I tell you what happened. A little while later, God sent the battalion commander who was the head commander of all of us. He was the boss of all of us. And then one day we came in for the battalion meeting and we sat down there. And some of them boys were chewing their tobacco and was doing all the things they do. And he sat up and the first thing he said was, I'm going to let you know that I'm a Christian. And all I could do was sit there and praise God. Because he said, you just hold on. Change is coming somebody uh, let me get let me get back on message here you see we just got to hold on so God arranged the meeting so that Obadiah would meet Elijah it was a relief for Obadiah God will place people in our lives that help us to strengthen our faith in him listen I'm reminded of the scripture that iron sharpens iron uh, uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. it says as iron sharpens iron so a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. There are benefits of brothers and sisters getting together in the word of God. You know how it is when we are somewhere that we are unfamiliar with, but when we meet that Christian brother or sister, it doesn't matter what nationality or denomination they are. As long as they are Christian, we jail and can come together. Uh, it is uh, something about sharing the word of God that breaks down barriers and builds bridges amen somebody so the mere fact that Obadiah met Elijah it was refreshing and God had a mission for Obadiah God, listen Elijah tells Obadiah to go and tell your master Elijah is here I, I have to tell you good hope I, I like the boldness of Elijah he is saying uh, that I heard your master is looking for me uh, well, go and tell him I'm here. And uh, then he gets so bold, he says, not only tell him uh, that I'm here, but I'm here in his own backyard. Uh, 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 he was in his backyard. He didn't have to look far to find me. Uh, I'm right here. So uh, when we, uh, uh, listen, when we are all in for serving God, it's easy to be bold like Elijah. We can't be straddling the fence because it becomes a little too difficult. Uh, 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 we let our circumstances determine uh, our directions. Amen, somebody. He responded, listen, listen, but how does Obadiah respond in a situation that he knows could lead to him being punished or killed by Ahab? Well, Obadiah does, like many of us, he responds like we do. You know what I'm talking about when we find ourselves facing dire challenges and obstacles in life we ask God why me uh, what have I done to deserve to be in this situation and then we begin to remind God of the good deeds that we have done uh, 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 listen I'm talking we because I've been in 
that situation time and time again. You see in verse 9 through 13, we find Obadiah making his case. And in verse 13, he says this, was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and then fed them bread and water. Can I give you the 21st century uh, uh, Christian uh, uh, view? He says, Lord, I pay my tithes. Uh, I feed the hungry. Uh, I visit the sick. Why are you asking me to go here and go there or do this, knowing that there are great consequences or repercussions if I go and tell them this or that? Look, I might lose my job. I might lose my 401k. I might lose my medical and dental benefits. And worse, I might lose my life. Obadiah was afraid of the consequences. If he were to go back and tell Ahab that he met Elijah and then Ahab goes to find him and cannot. My brothers and sisters, we have to remember that God did not give us a spirit of fear as believers. I'm going to tell you what Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 1 and 7. He says, for God has not given us a, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. I told him this at the noonday Bible study. Fear is the absence of faith. I, I need you to understand it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Fear is the absence of faith. If you say you have faith and you're afraid, uh, uh, fear is the absence of of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Uh, uh, you need to understand our faith comes from believing that God has worked out the logistics and has cleared the landing pad. We just need to maintain our course to where God has instructed us to go. He didn't say the storms wouldn't be raging, but what he said is you just remain on course. He didn't say there'd be some hills and some balance. He didn't say that. He just said you remain on course. He said, uh, I, I can't see it with my physical eyes, but my spiritual faith will bring me to and through whatever it is I'm going through. That's what he's saying. But you see, for fence straddling Christians, uh, they are not like that. When we straddle the fence, if it gets hard over here, then we're going to move to this side. And then if it gets hard over here, then we're going to move to the other side. We cannot serve two masters. Amen, somebody. Listen, listen. Our faith comes from believing that God has worked out the logistics and has cleared the landing pad. Before I move on, I want to point out some issues with Obadiah. Obadiah's faith was shaken and his vision was blurred. You see, Obadiah placed his faith on his performance of hiding the 100 prophets. He lost sight of God's grace and protection. You see, if Obadiah was thinking, he would have realized it was not him that hid those hundred prophets. Uh, it was not him that provided the bread and the water. See, God could have revealed that to Ahab, and then Obadiah would have been killed. But Obadiah did not see that God was there doing the hiding of the prophet. He was there doing the feeding of the prophet. Every step Obadiah made, God was right there. My Christian brothers and sisters, we need to understand that, that every step we take, God is right there with us. Amen, somebody. He must have forgotten that God was with him while he hid and fed God's prophets. Obadiah, like us, was looking for some reassurance. Y'all know how we do. Looking for some reassurance. Uh, well, God, if I 
go in there, what assurances do I have? I remember we said faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you have faith, you're going to go in there. That's the reassurance that God said he's going to do what he's going to do, and we believe it and keep moving forward with it. But after Obadiah was given an assurance by Elijah that he would not disappear and that he would be there to present himself to Ahab, Obadiah went and told Ahab, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Look at what happened when Elijah met uh, Ahab. Uh, then it happened, uh, in verse 17, then it happened when Elijah saw, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, is this you, O troubler of Israel? Is this you, O troubler of Israel? Of Israel, I, 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 he tried to get a little bold uh, on him, but I understand now. Uh, uh, you got to understand. Uh, 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 Elijah is in Ahab's backyard, so this is how he comes back at him. See, when we're not straddling the fence, when we're standing totally on Christ, we can go and say this. And he answered and said, "I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed Baal's." Listen, they began to throw uh, accusations at each other, but Elijah's accusations were not accusations but true statements. Uh, my brothers and sisters, beware that people will throw all kind of false accusations at us as Christians, especially when things are going bad in their life, their house, or on their job. People will love you one minute and quickly hate you the next. Didn't they do that to Jesus? As long as Jesus was healing and raising the dead, as long as Jesus was doing, see, that's what a fence-straddling Christian does. As long as it's good, he's going to follow you. But when it gets bad, he's going to move to the other side. Uh, fence-straddling Christian, it's time to get off the fence. Uh, 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 look, fence-straddling Christians are there as long as there is no resistance. Non-believers will do anything and everything to count it as God's fault why something is happening this way or that way in their life or yours. Listen, Ahab blamed Elijah for the drought, but it was his wickedness and his wife as well as the Israelites fence straddling that were bringing the wrath of God down upon Israel. Look how Elijah throws it back at Ahab in verse 18 when he says that you and your father's house have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed Baals. I, I, I love it how he does that. So in verse 20, we see that Ahab sent for all the children of Israel. I, I like that. Now, you see, Ahab sent for all the children of Israel, and he gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Now, you know, I don't want you to miss what's going on here. Now, Elijah is one prophet. Well, we know uh, uh, Ahab had 450 prophets uh, on his on, of his own uh, that was serving Baal so in verse 20 we say that Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and he uh, gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel my research tells me that the numbers could have reached in the thousands you see God wanted a captive audience Elijah I like how bold Elijah was Elijah had a question from God for the people of Israel Israel in verse 21 and here's where uh, the rubber meets the road, and Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, 
follow him. But if Baal follow him, but the people answered him not a word. Listen, Elijah is simply asking them how long are they going to straddle the fence. He is asking them, where is your commitment to God? How many more miracles do you need to see? How many seas have to be parted and how uh, how many chains have to be broken before you stop straddling the fence. Uh, uh, these are Christians and they know God and serve him, but they also jump over on the other side of the fence and follow Baal. It's like the Christian and I'm not, uh, uh, it's like the Christian I'm about to mess somebody up, but uh, it's like that Christian that plays the lottery when it reaches a certain amount of money. I, I won't play I, I, I won't play for those millions, but when it reaches a billion dollars, I got to play. You say God will understand i'm here to tell you my brothers and sisters what god understands is the amount of money it takes to move you from this side of the fence to the other side of the fence amen somebody i know it hey i know it's tight but it's right Uh uh-uh listen we can't we can't serve two masters uh y'all know what i'm talking about uh that billion dollars is a lot tempting uh yeah all you need to do well i'm going I'm going to take it when I hit it and give God his 10%. God didn't ask for that 10%. It ain't your, uh, let me just move on. Amen, somebody. We can't serve two masters. Either we're in or we're out. Okay, okay, let me make it simple this way. It's like the Christian that comes to church on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday they are serving a different master. People in the streets cannot tell by their Monday through Saturday actions that they are believers in Christ. But their loyalty on Sunday to God is in full display. But I, I know it's not any of good hope, people. Amen, somebody. The world is uh, uh, the world is filled with tempting things and temptation. The devil knows the right uh, buttons to push to get the fence straddlers to move to his side. If he can't entice the straddlers with pleasure of the world, he will entice them with fear. Uh, it's time to get off the fence. I recall a story my son Jared was telling me when I told him I was teaching uh, uh, on fence straddlers. And he said, Pops, I tell you the story about a young boy uh, that was on the fence. And uh, God and the devil had a conversation with the young boy. And the devil was promising him all the different things. And uh, God came to him and asked him just one question like, Elijah, how long you going to straddle the fence? And the boy told God and the devil, uh, Lord, let me just get back with you tomorrow. So they said they came back the next day and uh, the boy still had not made up his mind. And Satan asked him once again, how long are you going to straddle the fence? And the boy told Satan, uh, I don't know. I think I'm pretty comfortable right here. Satan told him, that's all right because I own the fence. You see, God don't want the fence. God don't want your own defense. He wants you over on his side. Amen, somebody. Uh, listen, I'm talking about fence straddling Christians that work around corruption and straddles the fence instead of stepping up for Christ. Let me say that again. If you find yourself in an organization or an administration, I'm not, not preaching political, but if you find yourself in there where God has you there, 
for a reason. He had Obadiah uh, and Ahab's uh, government for a reason. But we got to be sure and make sure we don't compromise our character, our integrity. Uh, uh, listen, just because we work there, I, I tell them like this. I know a lot of people get mad when, uh, when you see certain people at the table in the White House or in the governor's mansion. But, and I'm talking about Christians, but as long as those Christians are sinners, God got to have somebody at the table. We just got to make sure they're not the fence straddling somebody. Amen. Listen, listen, that is what was happening with the Israelites. Ahab and Jezebel, murders and mistreatment of Christians had them straddling the fence out of fear for their life and their livelihood. There's one more thing that I don't want you to miss in verse 21. Elijah addressed the problem by asking the people a straightforward question, but he did not get an answer. Listen, there was no response. There was no repentance. Their silence said a lot about their faith and their fellowship with God. I tell people all the time, an unanswered question is an answered question. If I ask you how long you're going to continually uh, straddle the fence and you don't give me an answer, that tells me that you're going to keep on straddling the fence. You got to come with an answer. Uh, 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 listen, their inaction spoke louder than their words. God is calling out and asking Christians, how long are you going to straddle the fence? How much preaching and teaching is it going to take to move you off the fence? How many more people have to be healed before you move off the fence? How many uh, near misses do I have to keep you from before you move off the fence? How many sicknesses and diseases do I have to protect you from before you move off Defense. How many more times do I have to provide for you when there's nothing in the pantry or the refrigerator before you move off the fence? What else do I need to do to get you off the fence? That is what God is asking fence straddling Christians today. God is also reaching out to the undecided souls to make a decision about whom they will serve. Uh, you see here, Elijah was uh, talking to Christians, but here we're talking about those non-Christians, those non-believers. God is reaching out to the undecided souls to make a, a decision about whom they will serve. And just in case you're looking scripturally to help you make a decision, I'm going to share uh, these three uh, scriptures with you. In, in your house, uh, Joshua tells us in Joshua 24 and 14, and if it, and if it is evil, in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, uh, whether the gods your father served in the regions beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites whom our Lord, uh, whose land you dwell. But I like how Joshua said it, but he said, but as for me and my house, uh, did you get that good hope? Uh, he said, for, for me and my house, uh, uh, we will. Uh, he didn't say we might, but he said we will serve the Lord, that's in your house. And then he said in your finances, uh, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 24, that we can't serve two masters. He says no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will devote to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let me clear this thing up for you because a lot of people mess this up and mess it up. Uh, don't get it twisted. Jesus is not saying that you can't have money. Just don't allow money to become your God. Amen, somebody. 
And then the third one is in your works. Uh, Jesus tells us in Revelations 3, 15, and 16, I know your works. Uh-huh. He says you are neither hot, uh, cold, nor hot. Uh, would that, uh, he said, would that you were whether uh, uh, either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Uh, it's time to get off the fence. It's time to stop being a part-time Christian. That's the name I gave him, a part-time Christian. I can only do it part-time. And my part-time starts Sunday morning at the 8 o'clock service. It ends at the 11 o'clock service, and I don't pick it back up till next Sunday at the 8 o'clock service. You got to stop being a part-time Christian like your part-time job. Listen, if you're a part-time Christian, if God gave you part-time blessings, would you like that? Preach that, Pastor Stephen. It's time to get off the fence, my brothers and sisters. The time, listen, listen, this is where we get it twisted. The time to pray and go to church is not just when bad things begin to happen. Uh, 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 listen, when September the 11th happened, uh, you couldn't get into a church. It was so packed. Uh, but the time to, to go to church is not just when bad things happen. God wants to hear from us daily. He wants to know where our commitment is to him. In Philippians 4 and 6, Paul tells us, be anxious. I love that about nothing. But he says, in everything by prayer and supplication. He says, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's time, good hope, to choose a side. It's time to choose who you will follow. I like how the songwriter wrote the song. He said, uh, I have decided to, to follow Jesus. He said, I have decided to follow Jesus. He said, no turning back. Uh, no turning back. If uh, God, he said, uh, he said, uh, there though none go with me. Uh, I don't know about you, but mama them can't go with you. Uh, daddy them can't go with you. Uh, he said, though uh, no one goes with me, I still uh, will follow. Uh, he said, no turning back. Uh, no turning back. He said, my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. We all have our individual crosses uh, to bear. Uh, and I'm telling you, the crosses are harder to bear when you're straddling the fence, when you don't know which side of the fence you want to end up on. Uh, uh, you got to know that you know that you know. I can tell you this, that I'm so glad that 2,000 and some years ago that Jesus did not straddle the fence between coming and dying for an evil, sinful, and ungrateful world of people uh, that would reject and disrespect him. Uh, they tell me he knew the dangers and uh, endured the consequences of being falsely accused, falsely sentenced, and finally crucified for a sinner like you and me. I'm so glad that Jesus died that we had a choice now to follow him. Jesus informs us uh, uh, in John 4 and 6. He said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I'm here to tell you, you're fence-straddling Christians. If you don't get off the fence, uh, 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 if you continue to stay on the fence, uh, uh, Jesus is returning, and as long as you're on the fence, you're going to be left on the fence. You don't want to be fence straddling when Jesus returns. It is time to get off the fence and get into the game. Jesus got into the games and changed the outcome. I'm so glad that 2,000 years ago he ascended 
from heaven is uh, by way of Bethlehem, Jerusalem. Uh, they tell me that he spent uh, some 32 odd years walking around this earth, uh, preaching and teaching the word of God to the people of God. They tell me he raised the dead and he healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind and he cleaned the leopard. I will tell you, he, uh, he was not a fence straddling God. I'm so glad that he did what he did, but they tell me that uh, uh, they lied about him and they uh, set him up and uh, 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 they put him on trial. And I love this because uh, like you and me, if we're straddling the fence and we're put on trial, we're going to do any and everything to change our, uh, to save our life. Jesus' story never changed from day one to the cross. Uh, they crucified him. They told me that uh, they, they, they led him to the cross and they whipped him all night long till the flesh was tearing from his body. But let me back you up into the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus showed us how to not be and how to not be a fence a straddling Christian. He got down on his knees and uh, he knew this cup was heavy, but he said to my God and your God, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. You see, when you're straddling the fence, uh, the first, at the first whip, uh, we will move to the other side. But he said, listen, Lord, I know I, it's going to be hard, and I, if I don't have to go through it, I don't want to go through it. But he said, Lord, listen, I'm going to give it to you like this. Not my will, but thy will. Christian brothers and sisters, uh, we got to be like that for Christ. I don't care what the consequences of the cost. Paul said to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you don't believe that, then get out of the race because as long as you fear death, you will never fear and run with Christ. Amen, somebody. This is the opportunity. They told me that, uh, listen, they put Christ upon that cross. They spread him out wide, and then they tell me he died. They took him down, and they put him in a bar or tomb. Uh, uh, listen, listen, he could have did what he wanted to do at any time. But they tell me that, uh, listen, uh, he did it for a purpose for you and I. Jesus Christ, my Alpha and Omega, Mary's little baby, the bright and morning star. They tell laid there all night Friday night in that in that grave. You see, if he was straddling the fence, he'd have got up Friday. But his work would not have been done. So they tell me he laid there all night Friday night, and then Saturday night he laid there. You'd think after one night in the grave he would have got up, but he wasn't a fence straddling. God, they tell me, but sometime early Sunday morning when he knew it was time to get up, when it was all well and done, they told me that my Jesus, uh, uh, they call him the bright and morning star. I'm talking about that rose of Sharon. He got up with all power. That's what happens when you stop straddling the fence and you're on fire for Christ. You see, there's nothing and nobody can do or say that would deter you from serving your God. If you want my job, you can have it. God will give me another one. If you want my 401k, God gave that to me. He'll give it back. We got to stand bold for Christ. If you want to take my life, you can't take it. I'm giving it to you by way of Jesus the Christ because what he said was and I love it when Paul said it I believe it is to live as Christ to die as gain either way it's a win-win we as Christians need to stand on that promise